This is the MLW Radio Network. of future stars now i am the host the writ i will not be uh have free mr mike freeland on with me tonight he has other issues to attend to but man we have a great guest lined up here on this friday edition and well me and this uh, guest we go back many many years where he did, did a little training you know helped out and well we're gonna bring him in right now. He is the El Mastodon. What's going on, Rosh? How you been? El Mastodon, what's happening, my friend? What's going on? Man, not much. Man, it, pretty it, good. It's you been know, a while since. Uh, the, it's starting to warm up out there a little bit. So, yeah, man. Oh man, I, I, I can't wait. Uh, I, I remember when I uh, you and I met and. It was warm out all the time, and you were at the at the ring I had set up outside, helping train. You know, getting some ring rust off yourself, and here you are. You know, almost ten years. You later, know, it's awfully nice still, to have a ring that close to home. You know. Oh yes, you know, and you, you always were willing to help out everybody. Uh, you know, and now look at you. You know, you're still going strong. You look phenomenal. You know, shape. And, you know, so what have you been doing uh, during the pandemic, uh, post-pandemic? How's everything been going for you? Uh, things have been going pretty well. Uh, pretty fortunate uh, to not really have any major issues. My family's been pretty healthy. There was a little scare there for a bit with my dad. But, uh, you know, everyone's healthy, so you can't ask for much more than that. Um, I was working down in Mount Airy, North Carolina when the pandemic hit. Uh, I was in the steel building business and it, it was kind of weird because like my whole family's up here in PA and, and they didn't really encourage a whole lot of travel and I got like really super isolated because mm -hmm. I didn't really have a whole big active network of friends and plus everybody was all boarded up indoors anyway so there wasn't really a whole lot going on. And I, I just kind of I was, I think I was talking to Trotsky one day. I was like, I kind of miss this stuff, you know? And, uh, I moved back home back, uh, last January. Uh, I got laid off because as, as things during a pandemic do, you know, offices closed down. Mm -hmm. So I took a layoff and I came home, um, and I got re-involved re at the sanctuary again with Trotsky helping, you know, get everything set up and running again. And, uh, you don't leave the business. It just it just keeps floating around in you, and as soon as you're around it, you know you're back in it. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what's been going on. I've been getting out and about again, trying to travel as much as possible. Just enjoy the best of it, you know. Um, make the most of what I got. Yeah, uh, you know, we actually had on one of your traveling companions uh, and part-time tag team partner, Johnny Moran. Oh, Johnny Moran, the old dark yes. horse. So, 
That, well, well, what's it like tag teaming uh, with him? I've been doing a lot of tag work with Johnny Marin. Uh, he's neurotic. Um, he's Johnny Moran. He's he's Captain Vanilla. Um, I always joke with him that like you know in in the dessert world he's like a vanilla ice cream cone. You know, it's like technically yeah, it's dessert, but it's you know a little you know it's all right. Bland. It's just vanilla. Whereas like I'm like Rocky Road and throw some gummy worms in there and like probably way too much flavor so it's a weird little blend and then you you know you put us together we bicker a lot i make fun of him he makes fun of me um but we've been able to take that little shtick uh, up and down the new england here um been pretty blessed with some opportunities for some open doors for a couple old men like us to, to still go out there and show the crowd a good time and you know keep rocking and rolling it's, it's- so, so what's it like in the car with him? You know, uh, are you the one that's driving and he's the one with the tunes or is it vice versa or? Um, usually I, well, I don't, nobody likes my driving, you know? Um, I think Luca Mancini is about the only one that's like, you know, I'll ride with you. No problems, man. Cause I'm like all over the place. One hand driving, talking on my phone. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm an old train wreck. Um, Johnny, Johnny's a neat freak and a control freak. So like, he's got to drive. He's got to be his car. Uh, it's just got to be his way. He's directing traffic. He's got a quarterback, the whole thing. Um, usually, I, you know, if it's just the two of us, I'll sit there and agitate him the whole way. If, if it's like a car load, I sit in the back and sleep. You know, I, I pull the whole, you know, I'm an old man. I'm going to sleep in the back seat car. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I've survived this long. I get to play that card, right? Yeah. So uh, l- let's start back in the beginning. Uh, you know, a lot of people sit there and say that what got you into the wrestling business, you know, parents, grandparents, a lot of people say. So what got you started, you know, watching and liking professional wrestling? Um, I wasn't exactly the most popular kid in school. You know, everybody knew me. I was a bit of a character. I've always been a bit of a, you know, showman, um, carny, huckster, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just kind of, I was also really big. You know, I'm really big. You guys know this. Like, I'm a large human being. And I never really fit in anywhere. We didn't have football in my high school, so, like, I couldn't capitalize on my size there. Um, I wrestled in high school, but I always had to cut weight to make heavyweight, which was always ridiculous to me. So it was, like, hard to find a place to fit in, and I just kind of stumbled across uh, WCW when I was, like, 14. And I saw Raven's Flock, and I was like, if these schlubs can do this, you know, because they're all wearing the street gear and everything. I was like, mm-hmm. If these schlubs can do this, I got to be able to at least have a shot at this. And then I just kind of found my way to the Wild Samoan Training Center, and I've been like a wet booger ever since. You know, like I come and go, but I'm always stuck on them. So and, you, you uh, said you're you – know, you My you're, family's not even really big on it, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I, I was going to say, like, what do the parents think, you know, uh, about you doing this? Or, or what do they think when you said, hey, I'm – I want to give this a try. You know, when I was in high school and I wanted to do it, you know, they kind of just rolled their eyes at it. We're like, all right, whatever, you know, go to college, go do something for real, for real. And 
I did all that, you know, and then I took a break for a while. I was in the, I was in the ministry. Um, I was doing concert promoting and, tour, and band tour management. Um, and then I ended up back in wrestling again about 2012. And then they were like, you know, you're a grown ass man. Like I was like in my late twenties, like you're a grown ass man. You shouldn't be doing this. I was like, ah, you know, I got to relive this. I, I didn't feel like I'd achieved everything I wanted to achieve. And, you know, I was, I was in for a few more years and then I, I just fell into responsibility and started a career. And I think they were all like, Oh good. He's done with that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, isolation breakdown back in wrestling again. And I think at this point they're just like, whatever, just, you know, I'm going to be 39 next week. You know, I think at this point they're just like, Hey, his house is paid for. He doesn't have responsibilities. Let him go. You know, let me do hey, it. Hey, third time's a charm. So that's and, right. And, that's right. And look, look at you. Now you're traveling up and down the whole, you know, New England States and, you know, you, you got yourself a, a career yeah, we're getting, uh, going. Getting some miles on, you know, getting some good miles on for an old man. Um, still still making, and you know, and the best thing is I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. You know, I dropped about 200 pounds over the last two and a half years. And I'm in better shape now than I was when I was in high school. So it's like out of any time that I've been in the ring, this has actually been the best I've been as far as, you know, physically. And I'm still, you know, working on improving that every day. But um, I just, it just, it, it, it's it's what I want to do. You know, it's what I feel right doing. And until the wheels fall off, I'm going to keep doing it, you know. So uh, you sit there and said you were trained at the Wild Samoan Center. Well, uh, was that early with it was Pops or was that a little bit later when uh, Appa took over? Appa, uh, no, Sammy. Sammy took over. When I first started training, it was with Pops. Um, that was in 2001. Um, but I'd been around WXW and the company. Uh, I had helped Pops in the office for the you know a few years prior to that, um, doing websites and, and promotional work for him. Um, and then later on, when I came back in 2012, I trained under Sam. So like, I got, I got the benefit of both. So, uh, working with pops in the beginning, you know, t- t- tell us uh, a little bit about how he conducted training. Did he let you guys get in the ring right away or did you have to, you know, the old school way of earn your way into the ring? So before you could even get in the ring, you had to make it through several layers of what felt like nothing less than hell. And realistically speaking, at this point in time, you've got probably 30 to 40 new people showing up every week, right? So you kind of have to separate the pretenders from the contenders. And you can do a lot of that with a lot of cardio. So I had um, Supremely Great and Tommy Swade as like mm-hmm. trainers running our cardio and they were not any kinder to me because I was a young kid than anybody else. You know, um, they beat the tar out of me. They ran my guts out um, and it was all for the better. You know, you had to earn your way into that ring. And then once you got in the ring, you know, all you're going to do is bump. You're just going to just bump and get beat up. You're going to learn how to move around in that ring. A lot of, a lot of guys are coming to be like, hey, when do we learn to throw suplexes? It's like, hey, well, you know, come back in a couple months when you've 
develop some calluses across your back and mm-hmm. uh, and we'll talk, you know. Um, so we had to earn our way in and, and, you know, I always do things the hard way anyway. So it was a lot of bumps and bruises and concussions and dislocated shoulders and you name it. I've run into that wall. Yeah. Uh, I remember going up to WXW with a couple friends of mine and seeing them train and 500 body squats, you know, in a row, then, you know, running the stairs and it's like, dude, like I couldn't do it. You know, I, I would have quit. You know, it's a body squats maybe, but man, j- just the right afterwards, we're, we're, we're running the stairs. And then I, I seen them do running the stairs with a partner on your back. And it's like, man, but, but it, there's a, there's a rhyme and reason, like you said, because you, back then that was when, you know, wrestling schools were hot. And you had to 30 yeah, we, people. We were in the middle everything. of the attitude era and, and yeah. everybody wanted to be stone cold. Yep. And you know, you had 30 people showing up and you can't, you can't have 30 stone colds. No, you, you got to sit there and okay, who's going to stick it out. And those people will get the privilege of getting the ring, but it's not, you know, cakewalk. Uh, Pops's ring wasn't the cushioniest rings out there either you know uh not compared to my old ring that i had you know no pops had an old 20 by 20 wrestlemania ring mm-hmm. so it, it, it's and a lot of people sit there and think it's just a big trampoline you know it's you know sometimes there's cables underneath but you got the bars you know going back and forth you have the wood you got maybe an inch and a half of uh, foam and the canvas. That's it. So, you know, even even if you sit there and get to there, to the in the ring, the bumping sometimes kills you itself. Running the ropes is another thing I heard from people that it's just mm-hmm. painful if you don't do it correctly. So, but... <clears throat> So what was when I first started with pops, we had the rope ropes and it. I go ahead. um, The rope ropes were just, I don't know. There was just something about them. They they were, uh, it was always an adventure because like you knew that those suckers had been, you know, had their miles beat into them and, uh, and they hurt a different way. And then, you know, you start to transition to these newer style rings where um, they're they're using the wire, the cable ropes, and mm-hmm. that takes a whole while to get used to. And it's just constantly re-exposing your body to these different performance surfaces, and and none of them are kind. You know, that old ring that we trained in at WXW uh, is now the stage at the sanctuary. You know, we don't even use it as a ring anymore, um, and it's still a stiff bump. You know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going through. But I love all the changes that are happening, though, for safety purposes. You know, the you know, there's there's definitely things we can do to make sure guys are are living a better quality of life for the long haul. Oh yeah, because Jerry always, Jerry and Mikey always have talked about the bump card. You only get so many bumps in your mm-hmm. in your career before you know it, it's time to cash that last check and, and hang up the boots. 
So you got to learn to take, take care of your body and, you know, do the, the best thing for you in your career because it can be shortened dramatically. So, but now you, uh, you went and talked about. Absolutely. You know, it can be gone at any moment. You, you go and talk about the, the bumps you were taking. Uh, so what was it like when you first learned to put your, put a match together and get out there in front of the crowd for the first time? A giant blur. A giant blur. Um, when I put my first match together in 2002, uh, we tried to be as basic as possible because it was the first one. Um, it's a, it's just a giant blur. Uh, I think I spit out like three moves I wanted to do. I finished it with the DDT. Um, I'm sure it wasn't spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that there's not footage of 2002 era stuff like there is now. Like these kids all have cell phones. All the embarrassing matches exist on YouTube. Not mine, thank goodness. Just so, my new embarrassing ones. So you, you sit there and you're talking about, uh, you know, you're glad that it wasn't out there. Uh, a lot of people, when they're done with their match, nowadays, if they say, you know, if they say or they don't, they get on Twitter. They get on YouTube, they get on Instagram, and they're checking out the comments. When you're done with a match nowadays, is that something you, you know, go right back to do? You know, check out comments, post, the, you know, a little bit video clips, or, you know, well, what do you do? It kind of depends on the circumstance. It depends on how I felt about the match. It depends on if there needs to be like for me, everything comes back to forward motion. So what are we promoting as we're moving forward? And um, if I have a need to like if there's a really cool spot that just needs to be put out there, cool, I'll put it out there. But like I'm not running home and going, all right, let me clip that, 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 nah. Like if something magical happens, I'll share it. But you know, most of the time it's just like if I'm I'm going to run one back with someone. I'll pull some video footage up and work it in there. But I'm not, like, super obsessed with, you know, throwing them. Like, I'll promote, but I don't throw all my stuff out there after the fact, you know. Um, once in a while, yeah. If I'm bored sitting on my computer, I might piece some things together. But I got a highlight video if you want to see it. It's pinned at the top of my Facebook page. Um, I usually go to Twitter just to like yell into the big angry boy, you know? Yeah. So we, we sit there and we were, we're at WXW. You're, you know, you're working there for a while. Uh, there's a lot of great talent that went through there. So did any, like, like can you name a, a few people that pulled you to the side and, and was like, Hey, you know, you're a big guy you know, try this compared to doing stuff like this work, like uh, the typical big man how they're supposed to, uh, or did you just kind of like sit back and just, you know, do your own little thing. Um, I did a lot of observational, uh, work, but Sam, Sam, who really helped me, um, 
the guys that initially trained me were were not versed in working the big man style. And and they taught me a lot of things outside of my wheelhouse. But it wasn't until Sam really got a hold of me um, that I learned a little bit more how to walk and talk and act like a larger human being. Because I never really felt as big as I am. I always just I always felt like I was the underdog that had something to prove. Whereas I'm usually the biggest guy in the room, you know. So yeah, I'd have to say Sam and then um, Trotsky. Um, Trotsky helped me a lot with kind of dialing in on some things. Um, usually, begrudgingly, we fight about just about everything. Um, but every once in a while, he he gets a good nugget across for me, and, and you know it'll it'll resonate. Sometimes it might not resonate for a couple weeks. But yeah, those guys have really helped me out. Um, but on a tape study, there's no excuse now to not do extensive tape study. You know, we have access to so much digital, or, you know, digital media. I wish we had this when I was growing up. I wish we had access to these entire libraries. You know, all we had before was whatever you could tape trade, you know, uh, six mm-hmm. hours of a VHS clip at a time. Um, I spent a lot of time just, just, watching how other big men work and see what do they do differently compared to everybody else. And then some of it's just logic. It makes sense. It's physics, you know, a little bit of geometry. Yeah. I remember uh, when you were using my ring back in the day, you used to the, get a couple of the big guys and, and, and be like, you know, the long drawn out punch. And then, you know, to, to make it seem like you're putting more power behind it and stuff. It, it's, it's a lot of the small things that people need to to extend on and put more details in that will make people and make the match more believable. I think H.C. Loke said it best. I think H.C. Loke said it best when he said that wrestling is not the moves that you do. It's what happens between them. And I don't know if that was a borrowed quote from somebody else, but that's the man that I heard it from. Um, and it's it's the truth. Nuance is everything. The, the little things matter so much and almost so much more than the big things. Yeah. I, and, I and it's it's real easy to get away from that. And, and once you come back to it, every time you come back to it, it brings – brings the magic yeah uh, i remember watching a video with regal uh training people and 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 he was like okay how do you get the person from the corner to the middle of the rope you're not just going to walk them there no you're going to sit there and you know you're going to hit them you know you're going to you know run their face across the ropes to get them to the next position where you want them to he goes, you got to make it believable, and the small things is what people will pay attention to and will make the story complete when you're in the ring. So, but uh, now, what, may, what made you... At its current... I see a... We're in a little lag here, I think. Yeah, we're in a, in a small lag, it seems. Okay, you're back there.
You there? Yep, there we are. All right. I think it froze for a second. If it might be there now. No. Okay. But uh, continue what you're saying then. Um, you know, you hear a lot of the guys complaining about how the business has changed, and, and it really has, but the, the storytelling is adapted a little bit just in a way to become a little bit more digestible to the way of culture. And I think keeping alive the old traditional nuance and the, the I don't want to say flashiness, spidiness, because it like almost at this point sounds denigrating. But that new indie pop style, I think there is a happy balance between them. I think there's room for everybody at that table. Um, I love seeing what things are coming together and, and how wrestling has evolved, even the 20 years since I started. Uh, it's just an exciting time. And then right now, there's so much cool shit. I'm sorry. There's so much cool stuff happening. Um, it, it's it's difficult to uh, go a weekend without at least having one really good show floating around somewhere on TV. Um, seeing all kinds of new talent from all over the world, all over the country. Kids just kicking it up. It's really cool. It's really fun to be out there, and it's really fun to be a part of all this. Yeah, I, I kind of wish when I, I was younger that they had fight. They had IWTV. Because, man, I, I get notifications all the time about all this indie shows on or this indie show, you know, this happened that. Man, it, it, if we had that 20 years ago, Man, just think of, like you said, we wouldn't been tape trading. All you had to do was, you know, get online, and click and pull up a pull up a match, pull up a show. And, you know, that's how a lot of people get their names out there now, because people might not know who they are. But next thing you know, mm-hmm. they're sitting there watching, watching an indie show and they're like, man, let me check this guy out. Then you go to the great YouTube and pull up some matches and next thing you know, they're going to the show watching you. So, but man, uh, I'll start somewhere. It's, it's the easiest time to, 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 but, but yeah, it's the easiest time to start watching as a fan. It's the easiest time to get your material out there as a performer. It's, it's just a magical time uh, for pro wrestling. And if you want to be a part of this on one side of the barricade or the other, this is the easiest time to get involved, and it's exciting. Yeah. So uh, you said you, said you, you managed a, or you know, you were a tour manager for a band. Let's take a little step away from wrestling for a minute. How did that come about, and you know, what, what was that like for you, being on the road with a band? Well, I fall into things um, just random, randomly by chance. I, I happen to fall into things. I had gotten involved with them uh, with ministry through my church and through the church. I started working outreach with um, the I guess, Columbia Montour, Bloomsburg, Berwick, Danville area kids. Um, and I ran a concerts. You know, I basically ran like little hardcore shows for kids that really didn't have a place to fit in you know um 
So we just kind of made that place. It's just at least some place that kids can come be safe, catch a show. Uh, we ran a lot of our shows out of a coffee shop. And, and then I met a lot of bands through that and, and made some relationships and some friendships and got invited to go along touring with one of the bands. Um, got to tour regionally with some smaller bands. You know, uh, drive a bus halfway across the country is always a good time. Uh, so I spent from about 2005 to 2009 doing that. Um, and then I hopped into the tattoo shops and I was never a tattoo, you know, I, I was never an artist. Um, but I used to uh, manage and run, run the counter and book the appointments, you know, just basically help out. Cause I was there anyway. Um, that's where all this stuff comes from. So I just kind of jumped from pro wrestling culture to ministry culture to, you know, hardcore metalcore music culture to tattoo culture and then back to wrestling culture. You know, I just kind of fall into things and fall out of things. And my life has definitely been a, a strange journey. Well, it, if, you, if you think about it, pro wrestling, music, tattoos, shops, they're all kind of intertwined. You know, the, the, the backstage scene, you know, the in front, the, the entertainment value, you know, the, the, the rush of the crowd. You know, it's 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 all intertwined, and it's all that adrenaline rush some people just go for. There is something with the live audience, and I'll tell you, when I did ministry work too, um, it's all the same. All of it's all the same. Um, but being in front of a crowd that generates an electricity, right? And then when people are feeling things, and people feel wrestling, and they feel music, and they 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 feel, you know, spiritual situations. Um, when you can get a large group of people vibrating like that, it just creates this crazy. And I know anyone that's watching this thinks I'm nuts. But just trust me on this. I feel it, right? Like I'm a junkie for it. I'm, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a fly to a, a, or a moth to a flame. You know, I'm like a fly to a turd. I just gravitate to where that is. I want to be a part of it. I want to help produce it i want to feel it and it's magic and i call it wrestle drugs when it's in the ring um because there's special moments where you can really start to feel it and it's like oh there's the wrestle drugs that's what we do this for that's the good stuff um that's i think that's why i just keep getting pulled into these different directions is 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 feeling that and the ability to tell stories i love telling stories yeah, man, you sit there thinking about that that wrestle drug, like a couple a couple moments you know in wrestling history come to mind when you sit there and say wrestle drug that I think of. Rock Hogan at WrestleMania, before they even laid a hand on each other, when they were face to face, doing the stare off, and that crowd was electric. The goosebumps, you know. Uh, just this past year, CM Punk coming back. You know, everybody knew it. But you don't know how you're going to react until that actually happened. Didn't matter. And then in, as soon as Cult of Personality hit, that crowd, electric. Mm -hmm. CM Punk didn't even mm -hmm. said it in, in an interview afterwards. He did not know, have zero idea what the fans were going to be like because he was away for so long. 
you know, but people live for that moment. Creating moments like that is everything. And that's really what this is all about. And maybe there's some egotistical drive with, with wrestlers to really want to be a part of part of those moments and creating those moments. But that is what we do. You know, it, it's all about creating memories and moments and imparting this, this lasting impression on someone. And it's almost like the exchange currency rate is is getting to feel that pushback from them. It's just great. It's just great. It, it, I love doing it. Um, it's it's just built into me at this point. Yeah, to, to sit there and have that that give and take with the fans. The the fans know you want it, and and you know if you're a face, if you're if you're a heel, man, if the heel, you do not want to hear silence. Because that would kill your buzz. You, you want them. MJF, he knows exactly what the fans want to hear and what they don't want to hear. And he just eats it up when, when, the, when the crowd's booing him. You know? Uh, after touring, you got you decided to get back into wrestling a little bit. Back in 2012, you said you said you're you're training with Sammy. And yes, sir. You know, well, what was that like getting that ring rust knocked off you for the first? You know, what, what was Sammy a little bit easier on you than Pops was? Um, listen, it's it that there's no easy with that family, you know, they don't give away anything for free, okay? No, um, but Sam. When I went when I went back, it it was it was special for me because like I told I had two buddies that wanted to go down and train, and I kept saying, "I'll take you down, I'll introduce you to Sam, but I'm not doing this again." You know that was in my past. I'm done with it. I'm not doing it. So I get down there, and you know my buddy Frank, um, Frank the Tank Curry, he wrestled for a couple of years around here. He's six foot five, three hundred pounds, grilled diesel, probably like six and a half percent body fat just a school kill valley knucklehead and uh my buddy johnny priest johnny vegas uh he's like six foot one broad these guys both look like pro wrestlers and i brought him in and sam's eyes got like this big and you know three really big guys coming in and he comes over and he's like hey when are you coming back and i was like all right i guess i'm coming back on tuesday with frank you know like I didn't, I didn't really intend to, but it just, it just felt right. Um, so with Sam, it was always, there was always more of a camaraderie. Like I respect the living hell out of him, but it, like I look at him and, and when I talk to him, it's, it's the camaraderie. It's, it's just this respectful, you know, brotherhood. And um, it was really like that getting my feet wet again that time. So much had happened from when I left that mm -hmm. I, I just really basically had to start over. You know, I just basically had to start over from scratch. And that's what we did. And then coming back this time was just like, I just needed, you know, two sessions to get my head out of my ass. And then, you know, we were good to go. Um, and then it was just been slowly rebuilding everything. Now, how can we do better than we were before? Um, yeah, uh, but 
when I would, when I would talk to pops and stuff, it's just with, with them, it's different that once you're in your family and pop yeah. pops always treated anybody and everybody from uh, the guy selling at the concessions to the person that he put in the main event with the same respect. And I always loved that about him. You know, uh, the whole family treats respect as the top thing. Once you earn it and once you get it, you know, you, you're there for life. So, and, you know, now look at you, you know, you, you, you've been through with Pops, you've been through with Sammy. And now you, like you said, it only took you two sessions to get to get all the ring rust knocked off. And now you hit the floor running. And, you know, you, you got a great tag team partner and, and Mr. Vanilla. And, you know, you're traveling around. And it's, it's, you've come a long way from when I even known you last time, you know, and, uh, well, traveling in the ring with different opponents. So what exact, uh, what exactly do you look for in a match that you can go back and say, that was a really good match. Like, can you name a couple opponents you've had that you just, the chemistry was there and it clicked right away? Um, recently, recently, um, I'll tell you, I've, I've worked this kid, like, I think going on six times now, uh, we worked the other five times. I think we're going on six here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Aaron Roxas, he's from backbreakers up in Scranton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be honest that the first time they said I was going to work him, I, I didn't, I wasn't quite sure how our chem, like I, I knew him, I knew the kid. But I wasn't quite mm-hmm. sure how our chemistry would line up, and we ended up actually having a, a really good match. You know what I felt was a really good match, and and that's typically how I judge. Um, I know, I know, I know. Coming out of, I know before that match is over whether or not that was a, a good one or a piece of dog crap, and um, I felt good all the way through that match. And then sometimes you feel like it was a good one, and then you watch it back on video. I'm always going to be someone that shreds my work to pieces. Nobody can rip my stuff apart worse than I can. Um, I think that just comes from, you know, where I come from. Um, it's just the way I've always been. But Aaron Roxas and I had some really good chemistry, and then we've had a couple really good ones since. Um, I had a good time working with Mike Skyros and Blackstrom up in uh, Boston. At UFO Wrestling, um, I would love to work with those guys again. We had some pretty decent chemistry. We had a lot of fun. Um, J.S. Hawthorne from the Sanctuary. Um, it's almost cheating because he's my training partner. Um, usually on Tuesday nights, he and I are dancing around the Sanctuary, beating the tar out of each other, walking out with black eyes and busted whips. But I, you know, if if you called me up tomorrow morning and said, Hey, you, you know, you're working Schultz tonight. I, I'd be all right with it. You know, I, I could walk right into, I could walk in without calling anything with him and, and we'd be okay. Um, but I've had a chance to work a lot of guys all over the place. Uh, a lot of different opponents. Um, some have been some really stellar ones. Some have been less than stellar, you know, 
whenever you're working new people, you run into those risks. Um, but generally speaking, there's so much good talent in this area that it's it's hard to really, unless you go looking for it, it's hard to stumble into a cow pie, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Matt, just think of the promotions you have, you know, and then, and then just to name a few, WXW, uh, PPW out of, you know, the Scranton area, uh, ECWA, you know, you got, uh, uh, let's see, you got Pro Wrestling Magic, you know, th th they've come a long way. It, it, you got a lot of, a lot of great companies in the area that are going to get better. And, you know, to name, to name, you know, a company, what, what would you say your favorite one is? And we'll keep WXW out of it. Uh, the, the had the, you walked in there and the locker room was just, everybody was getting along. The chemistry was all there. And it, it was just a great bunch of people there. Um, so we won't count WXW or the Sanctuary because I consider those, you know, my home promotions. Yes. Um, I've really enjoyed working with uh, with Titan. I've really enjoyed working with Titan Championship Wrestling in uh, in the Bayville, Tons River area. Um, mm -hmm. With with Steve Mack and, and Magic, um, Preacher, and of course, Charlie and formerly Billy, like they've just been really solid to me since, you know, I, I just kind of showed up with Moran one day and they just immediately put me to work and um, they've given me some opportunities. In fact, I'll be back there on March 12th. Um, myself and Chris Barton will be facing Big Jeff Noise and um, the Atomic Dog. And we're going to see if we can break a ring. Um, but yeah, there's been a few other Fun promotions. NYCW has been a good time. UFO has been fun. Um, but I'm just trying to get out there as much as possible, trying to go as many different places. I've noticed that there's different flavors of promotions even. And I call me a piggy, but I want to try them all, you know. Um, throw me in with some hard hitters, I'll hit hard. Throw me in with some goofballs, I'll be a goofball. Um, I just, like I said, I'm... I'm 39. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to continue to do this. So I want to try to do as many crazy weird things as possible. Um, I'm probably going to do some stupid things uh, this year and next year for sure. Um, I just don't know at all, man. Matt, well, just sit there and you're in the best shape of your life right now. You know, your bump card because you, you took time off in between. You haven't racked up that much, that, that many bumps. You're, you're, you're in a tag team with, with Mr. Vanilla, but, you know, you do three quarters of the work, you know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, he's going to hate that I said that. He's, he's going to hate that I said that. He's going to absolutely hate that I said that. Man, well, I, you should rib him one time. You should get to the promoter, the music, the sound guy, and be like, before we come out, d d play a Vanilla Ice song. And, and, and then Vanilla he will be, I, because, you know, he's Mr. Vanilla. So that would be one heck of a rib that, that you could put on him. So <clears throat> where do you want to see yourself? What, what name a few promotions you want to get into by the end of 2022? 
I have an end goal in sight of uh, I would like to find my way to the National Wrestling Alliance. I'm sorry, National Wrestling, yeah, NWA Association Alliance. It's the NWA. It's the freaking NWA. Yes. Why would you not want to be there? Um, or may, or MLW um, is another one that I, I feel like I could um, I could show out on. Um, but I know that you know being the ripe young age of 39, you know, my options are going to be limited. But mm-hmm. I just kind of want to get, like I said, I want to see as far as I can go. I'd love to travel. I'd love to go to Europe at some point. I'd love to get my the rest of my teeth knocked out of me in the UK. Um, wherever and whenever, I, I just want to go and de- do as much and see as much as possible. Experience life to its fullest. Hey, that, that's a wrestling dream right there. You know, go, go wherever you can, you know, learn as much as you can, teach as much as you can, and see, see, see you know, the memories hold. Uh, let's talk opponents. I want you to give me five people you never worked in the Northeast that you would love to get in the ring with. Tag team or singles. Oh. Tag team or singles that I have never been in the ring with yet. Yes, um, but you, but but you think you you would have a stellar match with them? Wrecking Ball Ligurski, without hesitation, is at the top of my list. Okay. Um, big man can go. Um, I'm going to be tagging with the kid. But I would love, I would love to stand across the ring from Chris Barton. I would absolutely love to mug him. That would be a fun time. Um, hey, at the at the end of the match, I have sucker. You, you could always sucker punch him and, and start start a program right there. You know, it's pro wrestling. You never know what's going to happen. There's only one you, way to you, find out. You never it's know. Either on March twelfth. Um, man, I'm, I'm thinking Lucky 13. We've been friends for a long time. I'd, I'd love to work with Lucky. Um, I don't know if I have the cardio to work with Lucky. Um, but if he wants to get caught in my orbit and run circles around me and just let me punch him, that'd be fine. Um, I've never wrestled off a junior. Um, that would be fun. Just again, because of the, the family tie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to work Sam. I got to work Lance. I never got to work off a junior. Um, man, I'm looking for hoss fights. Give me the big guys. Vargas. Juan Vargas. Give me Juan Vargas. Um, he's one of the Creative Pro guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's. Uh, yeah. Yeah, give me Juan Vargas. This is Bob Culture's fault, by the way. This is Bob, uh, Bob from the Bob Culture podcast brought it up to me one day, and I wasn't familiar with who Vargas was. And mm-hmm. then I became familiar. Yeah, give me Vargas. Yeah, oh, those. It- those would be the guys. Um, is that four or five? 
that's that's all five right there. So now that that's that's a great list, especially go. for Hoss especially fights. for the Northeast. You know, I, I would love to see you and Opera Junior go at it. You know, I I, I seen I see him plenty of times. Uh, him him and Mike Orlando at PPW. You know, just all out brawls, and you know. The, the family history you have there. Do you remember the you know? series of Alpha Jr. and Snitsky brawls that were going on there for a couple of years? Yes. Um, Just... Around that same time that I was back. Ah, oh, those were fun. Those were fantastic. Or the um, now this is really old ones is the Hungarian Barbarian Big Dick Dudley. Uh, they were tagging against um, Sam and, and uh, Lloyd. LA Smooth. Those were some barn burners too. See, I grew up on stuff like that. I grew up on the Moondogs 2000, the Hit Squad. I love me a good old brawl, and the more of them, the merrier. Put me in hot well, spots, please. Well, that there is going to lead to the question that we love to ask every guest. It is the hot tub time machine. Where the hot tub time machine? You. You can go back in the time to any point in pro wrestling. Take somebody out of a match, and we're putting you in the match. What match is it and why? Oh. Oh. Yes. This is the SATs of pro wrestling podcast questions. Well, we we've had numerous answers. There right. is not a there's not a wrong answer. There there's there's a couple that popped into my mind, but there's one. And again, we're going back in time, right? This is like me now replacing them. Then. Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, swap me and Gary Albright out of his last match. Don't put him in the ring, and he's still here. That's my swap. I was ringside. I shot that match. Swap me and Gary so that he's still here. Damn, That's okay. Okay. I, and you got to respect that there's no wrong answer. And 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 I definitely like that answer. So, wrestling Rush, history is wrestling history. Uh, bookers yes. have have written that for years. Um, I'll save a life. Yeah, and 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 you got to respect that. So, man, Rosh, it was great catching up with you. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you at, hit you up, talk to you on social media? You know, your merchandise. The floor is yours. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, the handle's Rosh Dang It. It's been right below my face this whole time here. Um, I am on TeePublic. There's a link on all of my socials that go right to my TeePublic page. I've got merch on there. I've got shirts, hoodies, magnets, phone covers, wall hangings, all kinds of weird crap. Um, I do my own designs, so any anything you can do to help support keeps me uh, off the streets and uh, on the road in the ring and out of trouble for the most part. 
Um, greatly appreciated. Shoot me a message. Let me know you saw me on the podcast uh, so I can let Josh know that people actually want to hear me. And I'll be so, uh, coming to your town. Check me out. I've got all my dates listed constantly. I do nothing but plug my shows. Hey, I appreciate you sitting there and taking time and stopping by here on Future Stars Now. And, well, is there any way we could possibly get a part two with you down the road? Absolutely. Just let me know where and when, and I'll make myself available for you. Hey, no problems, man. Thank you for stopping by, and I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, there you have it. We had the, the Mastodon. Man, it's this is what I love about Future Stars now. This is where we, we take a look at the indie talent that is building their career to be mainstreamed on your MLW, AEW, uh, Elevation, NXT, you name it, GCW, WWE, Impact, NWA. This is where we get to know them here. We follow them on their journey to get to the mainstream. So, man, I, I, I loved how, you know, Rosh was in there talking and you could see that he stepped away, came back, stepped away, came back. It's just like Terry Funk says, you never, ever leave pro wrestling. It will always find a way to pull you or suck you right back in. So guys, this this is what we have here. Uh, thank you for stopping by on Future Stars Now. And check us out on FRM Pod every Tuesdays at 9 p.m. on twitch.tv forward slash FRM Pod and Future Stars Now right here. So guys, I am the Rip. Take care and see you next week on Future Stars Now. Stop.